our most prolific guest host in pro wrestling moments history is back with me for the first time in too long dan just dan now no other name is here how are you doing and i can't I hear him straight really away good. it's great to be back you, i think <laughs> i think that delay's back we've had an awful start here unfortunately how did you get rid of that delay a second ago right, hang on can you hear me now i can hear you yeah it's back it's fine sorry carry on carry on. i'm leaving that all in he's leaving it all right I said it's great to be back. Yes, said, everyone, and it's great to have Some you. Some of you back. may not have heard that twice. <laughs> yeah, hope, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And it's great to have you back as we wind our way to the conclusion of the UWF. Um, and as we talked about on the last episode, things have changed, and this is basically now has no resemblance to the promotion that we knew and loved. And I'm sure this is probably pretty jarring for you watching this, Dan. I'll get on to. In fact, that's my first question, actually, in, in highlighted. But we'll move on to that in a second. So the last episode you heard us cover for was from September the 26th, 1987, and the next one available is from three weeks after. And that's October the 17th, 1987, and we start with a clip of UWF TV champion and NWA uh, TV champion. Um, Ivan Koloff, who is the latter NWA TV chairman, I've done a terrible job with that, and Terry Taylor going at it in a match in the old NWA television studio. Uh, that cuts off before we can see the end. Um, Jack Gregory, Missy Hyatt and Magnus were then shown from the Wrestling Network Studios, this time in Cleveland. Gregory talks about war, the war continuing between Lex Luger and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Plus, he touched on a situation with the Rock and Roll Express who had suffered a devastating situation in losing the NWA Tag Team titles. Missy said the four horsemen were the best thing in the National Wrestling Alliance of going for them. And Gregory implored us not to go to the ice box, whatever that means, to stay tuned. So my question, which you've already partially heard, how jarring on a scale of one to ten was watching this version of the show after everything you've seen before? Oh, I was I literally was like, hang on. What, are we about to cut to the news? That's how it looked like. The wrestling like set up, and then it was an, an absolutely superb hairpiece. Oh, Jack um, Gregory. Yeah, that yeah. is a superb head of hair, maybe his or not. <laughs> um, what was also bizarre is they they went straight into the action. Two world TV champions. I mean, I'm I'm a bit behind, but I, I've now established why. Yeah, straight into the action. Didn't even mention it. Yeah, no, no, and they've not explained. No, they've not. Ex I don't think they've explained. Um, you know anything really in terms of um, you know what why there are why there are multiple champions. Yeah, so so there's no. Sorry, we've just had to have a little conversation off air about something that's a secret. So yeah, w uh, watch this space. That I don't feel like we're doing a particularly good job on this so far, are we? Really tonight? <laughs> mainly me, mainly me. Is this is this why I've been this why I've been gone for so yeah, long? This is why you've been gone. It's too much of a professional. Um, so basically, <laughs> yeah, they don't really explain what's going on. And if you're a pure UWF viewer or Mid South, it's like, I guess if you just didn't know, this is a thing. Like the, the internet's not a thing. People that were back then, the Wrestling Observer, I don't think Dave Meltzer was full time. I think he had other jobs to supplement his income. Like it wasn't until later that like that became a real big money spinner for him. So people didn't know that this promotion had been bought out by the NWR by Crockett. So it just must have been like a mind blower to literally go from UWF talent, just them seeing a few NWA stars to like pretty much this is an NWA show now. Um, and then obviously, I'm assuming as well, it's it's now obviously going around places, um, like they're like they're in Cleveland. Well, they were um, doing that before. They were actually doing that before so the they pocket started takeover. Moving about. 
Yeah, because they had a really, it's really big um, syndication networks. They'd started moving around more before this even happened. But all of the shows were kind of like promoted as a joint NWA UWF show at this time. So if you if you look on Cage Match, it's got both of them. Um, yes. So we, so we joined Jim Ross and commentary for match between Cougar J and Lex Luger. Ross added that we'd later see Tully Blanchard going up against new world champion Rugged Ronnie Garvin. I thought, bloody hell, I'd forgotten that Ron Garvin had ever been NWA world champion. Um, Ross said on commentary that if Dusty was to take the US title from Luger, it would be the supreme challenge of his career and Luger had never looked better. Um, Luger, to be fair to him, hit a great inside-out suplex and a lovely power slam during this before, finishing Jay off in 2.37 with the torture rack. Um, what do you think of this opener before we get on to the promo that came next? Uh, Luger's 29 here. Looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. He's been spoken about like he's 21. Um, but as these these episodes go on, I sort of start to realise that 29 seems like what is classed as a, a youngster. Yeah. Um. Yeah, talk human talk track. Like I looked up Cougar J. It's weird you just mentioned Cage Match um, because I had a little look on Cage Match, and there's a tab called Career Highlights. Okay, so I clicked on it for Cougar J. And um, highlight number one uh, was in 1986 was the beginning of his in-ring career. Highlight number two and the final highlight was 1999, the end of his in-ring career. <laughs> <laughs> they were his two career highlights on his career highlights. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so there you go. There's Cougar J for you. Cougar J, not the best uh, or most illustrious careers. Um, JJ Dillon joined Lex and Luger said he was the best wrestling hat to offer. And he was the fastest rising star. He said he had the second most prestigious belt and it was a very good looking belt as well. Um, he said he was the most marketable athlete in the world and wherever he walks, people's jaws drop at the total package. He said Dusty thought he could beat him and he's resorted to an illegal chokehold, the Weaver Lock. He said he had the time and Dusty had to do what he said. Why JJ was then didn't speak, I don't really know. Um, Luger, I thought was fine, albeit was surprisingly out of breath for someone who'd just done a sub three minute match. What did you think of the promo? Uh yeah, you can. Yeah, you can see where um, it's where I start seeing things are starting to develop. How with wrestling we know now, these mm. things have been happening over the past year. This sort of promo, which there was quite um, a theme, was quite often match promo. Yeah, it's all starting to get that structure that we know now. Yeah, um, definitely standard. Um, didn't didn't um, in and around Croydon? You were known for your package, weren't you? What, being really small? Hey! <laughs> the button mushroom was out on occasion. <laughs> uh, we got a vignette with some headlines from previous Starcades, essentially just showing the graphics for each one. And then we got Tony Schiavone with a lovely tash, uh, which didn't at all make it look like he should be on a register somewhere. He was in the Starcade Control Centre... He said, momentum continues to build for Thanksgiving night and shy town heat. He mentioned Steve Williams defending his title on that show against the number one contender, Barry Windham, the Western States Heritage Champion. In the studio also was Ronnie Garvin and Jim Crockett, the president of the Wrestling Network. They announced the main event of Starcade. Ronnie defending the, top, the NWA world title against Ric Flair in a steel cage. And Garvin, who sounded like a New York gangster, said he'd always dreamed of being world champion. He said the NWA champ, world, champ, world title was the only real world title. And he said winning it was even better than getting married or having kids. So I'd say the equivalent of England versus Germany for us, I presume, Dan, there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. 
Garvin said his fans had believed in him and stood by him. He thanked them for all the letters. Um, and I do wonder how many letters there actually were for this guy. I predict less than 10. Um, he got a little bit lost a bit. He got a little bit lost, as I just did, and then got back on track and said he was going to prove to everyone that he was a champion. Crockett added that after October 17th, Garvin would not defend the title again until Starcade. Um, I thought he was all right, but not amazing. What did you think of uh, our new NWA world champion here? I mean, I didn't really know the background behind how mm. he got to this stage. Um, and back in the day, they would have always shown that. I actually quite like the, the evolution of the logo before. Yeah, um, I thought it was decent, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah. That. And uh, I just, I'll be honest, I love the idea of a Starcade control centre. Yes, yeah. In advance of the event. Yeah. Which is about a month and a, I'd say a month and a bit away. Yeah. I, I, incredible i just love the idea i just i just pictured it like like so they're sitting in there tony shivani and like who who was he with um jim, uh, jim crockett yeah they're sitting in there it's getting in there in the morning cup of tea coffee like right <laughs> like just got all the screens of everything and then they're going right we'll have a, we'll have him and we'll have him there and like oh i just pictured the control center what a job um yeah, I thought the promo was good. Did you know? I, I searched Ron, Ronnie Garvin or whatever. His stepson. Yep. Is Jimmy Garvin. Who we see later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their age gap is seven years. Yeah, I know. I couldn't really get my head around So, So our age gap is up seven years. Seven years. About uh, seven, six, I'm seven 42 years. in a few weeks' time, so yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's more six, is, actually. Yeah, isn't about it? six years. About six, yeah. But, yeah. Well, more or less, it's the equivalent of me calling you daddy. Completely, which you're welcome to do. Um, <laughs> so, how, so let's just think but about this. How, how old your perspective? That's quite weird. How old's your mum? Uh, Sixty, 61. I suppose. Sixty, yeah. So, I mean, if yeah. you, if she'd had you when you was when she was even let's say sixteen, keep, keep it legal, sixteen, yeah. um, then and you were thirty-five, she would have been fifty-one. And I would have been 42, I suppose, wouldn't I? For, yeah, 42. Yeah. So I suppose that it, it's still a gap, isn't there? I mean, it, yeah, like... It's just weird that the it gap is a gap bit weird. you and your stepson is seven years. Yeah, it is a bit strange. It <laughs> is a bit strange. Thing, I think maybe I freak myself more out, the idea of waking up in the morning and walking into the bedroom <laughs> before school when you're there. <laughs> I'm your dad. I would take you to wrestling <laughs> in Fulham, though, so at least it's that. <laughs> I mean, this this comes up, but yeah. they they build them as brothers. They, <laughs> they build it. They build as oh, brothers. Do they? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm oh. sure. Unless I've unless I've unless I've watched another episode, and this is not in what because this is a problem at the moment. We talked about this off air. I'm watching quite a lot of stuff between the various shows, and I have to try and get this in at any time. So there can be anything up to a month between when I've watched the show and when I'm reviewing it. So actually, which is quite a good fun in a way, because I can't yeah. remember what's in my notes. Um, so next up, we've got a segment on the two world TV champions, Terry Taylor and Nikita Koloff. Um, and this is basically the same as what we saw at the start of the show. But this time we saw Eddie Gilbert making the save before Koloff could hit Taylor with the sickle clothesline. Gilbert grabbed the NWA World TV title and told Shivani and David Crockett that they collectively were the TV champion. Koloff wandered over, seemingly confused, shouting something like, who was it? Um, I think he was awake while this was happening, so I'm not sure why he was so confused. Uh, they cut back to the studio and Crockett announced the title versus title unification match with Stark at 87. Um, what did you make of all this? Um, well, finally, we got a little bit of explanation about what was going on. 
um, in the intro. Um, you know, stealing the belt. I mean, you haven't won it. So it's you not hate like, that. You mentioned I've that before. It, it's mine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I do wonder if, like, for me, because they said, like, you know, the idea of that there's two and that there'll be some sort of, you know, they're teeing up a unification. Yeah. Um, and that strikes to me like it's the beginning of the end. Oh, it is very much the beginning of the end, but like, not not for you... the reasons that not they didn't probably didn't know at this point actually because they were they were just they were just having some financial financial yeah. difficulties. Yeah, yeah. Um, where are we? So um, back at the show, Ross was with Barry Windham. Windham said John Ayres had gone to great lengths to sign this match. He said he'd had to prove himself and beat a lot of good men. He said Williams was the number one athlete in a lot of sports. He said they were very good friends. But when it comes down to wrestling, the title was going to be on the line. It was all going to be, it was going to be all the way. He didn't once say he would win the match here. And this was very wishy-washy. And dare I say, Barry Windham seemed a little bit disinterested. What do you think of uh, old Bazza here? Yeah, he didn't. That's really interesting. I've heard it say it just looks like he doesn't just, care. It's like, doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I've got, really. He just doesn't care. Just doesn't care. He's not interested. Sting versus Colt Steel and a look behind the curtain. I was waxing my nose hair while watching this. Have you ever waxed your nose hair? Do you suffer with uh, intense nose no, hair? Um, this, uh, that's, that's what, that's what the, as I found out, like the older generation, like, you know, yeah. my dad, you. <laughs> 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 one of the same thing now um they're really good actually so my notion never quite gets it so you have this little pot that you put you basically sit this pot on a cup that you put water in put it in the microwave for like 90 seconds then you dab like a bit like a you know like a ear like a, a cotton bud for your ear so it's a little bit like that yeah. but you, you so you put this cotton thing this like plastic thing in the wax stick it in your nose have it in there for like a minute and you pull it out it hurts a little bit when you pull it out completely no hair doesn't grow back as fast it's really good i recommend it I recommend it. <laughs> uh, you're not convinced. Um, Sting won in two fairly unremarkable minutes after hitting the Stinger Splash, which Ross said Colt Steel was hurting for certain after. Uh, what do you think? Uh, this is a problem with this show now. All the matches are the same. There's no good wrestling on this show anymore at all. It's all squash squashes. Yeah. So what do you say about, I mean, what can you say about two minutes of Sting yeah. and Colt Steel here? Not much. It's a Stinger Splash. And then the only thing I just was thought was pretty mad is, I've watched like I've watched Sting live this year. Yeah, and did you see him last year as well? Yeah, it's weird, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is weird. It is strange because <laughs> this is a long time. Nineteen eighty-seven is a long time ago. Like the like. I think here he's twenty. He's about twenty-eight. I think 27, yeah. 28. So again, he's still being called a youngster. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's pretty mad, isn't it? It's re it's really mad that he's still going. That he can still do the stuff that he he can do. Well, you think about it. He's the same age here, pretty much as Lex Luger was. Yeah, I've seen seen what he looks like now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, the Road Warriors versus Mike Force and Bob Morgan. Mike Force, I'm not sure about that as a wrestling name. Well said, the Warriors had their sights on the sights sight set on the NWA Tag Team Championship. Uh, big reaction for the Warriors and the crowd pop huge for a Hawk body check in the early going. They finished this off in 44 seconds, and it's got the biggest response of anything on the show so far. This was pretty enjoyable, actually. Um, though it was a squash, and this was exactly what it needed to be, I thought. What do you think of uh, the Road Warriors here? So, a little bit behind the curtain. I'm currently recording this podcast in a bedroom because we've got um, builders doing kitchen and bathroom stuff. Mm. And I'm pretty confident my builders are called Mike Falls and Bob Morgan. <laughs> uh, Excellent. that's... 
That's what they sound like, a building yeah. firm. Force and Morgan. Um, and I suspect they're probably better at building than they are wrestling. Um, I think the two blokes I've got around doing my building will probably beat these two up. Um, <laughs> but that's a different question for down the pub or whatever. But um, I like the great the double team finisher was really good. Um, but when he when he pinned him after the finisher, so I think uh, Mike Force was pinned. Hmm. Bob just stood there and watched. <laughs> it didn't make any like, part you know, of it. Like, if you're if you're like tag partners getting tagged in, you run in and stop the tag. He just stood there. I like, think he's like, oh, I can't be bothered. If you were up against these two behemoths, though, I think would you not just stand yeah. there and just be like, it's over. I've got yeah. I've got away relatively unscathed. So yeah, yeah. Like, well, you lost that. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. you lost that. <laughs> just want to go and have a shower and go home. Um, yeah. vi- vignette showing Dusty Rhodes walking down various aisleways and corridors <laughs> and doing little warm ups uh, before we cut back to Hawk and Animal with Jim Ross. Animals said they had a brand new attitude. They had their own attitude back. They weren't helping anybody anymore apart from themselves, and they might just help themselves the NWA World Tag Team titles. Hawk said there was a ma- there was no match signed yet for Shytown Heat, but they wanted a couple of clam heads, Arn and Tully. They had Tunnel Village Clam. Is that a, an acronym for lady parts, do you think? Mm. There's a there's a bit of slang later on that I've noted down, but I didn't hear that bit. Okay, I, I, I'll search while you're clan is in CLA. No, 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 not clan, not not no, not clan heads. That'd be something altogether different. Clam C L A M heads. Um, they they bloody hell. They had tunnel vision, and when they got to the end of the tunnel, the midnights wouldn't be there anymore. He said the people wanted. He said the people wanted uh, people to have the belts who could back up what they say. Does that make sense? Alwing added, there was one way for Tully and Arn to prove they were the champions, and that was signing on the dotted line, but they enter the ring at their own risk. Um, I thought this was quite good. What do you think of the uh, Road Warriors and um, Paul Erring promo here? Uh, just to clarify, Clamhead is a dude that is not good at anything, but once you get him treading clams, he is a savant. Okay, I don't know what that means, but fine. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I can be done an absolute Google wormhole if I carry it there. <laughs> um my I did like the primo, but can we just can we just I just I just took a little bit out here. Let's think what he I'm trying to I'm trying to scare you. Yeah. Oh god. I've got tunnel vision. You're at the end of the tunnel. And when we get there, you're not gonna be there anymore. What what does that mean? No, I know that is awful. Well, I'm but... coming to get you. You're at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to come and get you. When I get there, you've gone. You've left. <laughs> well, then, well, then what? <laughs> Look, I'm, we're going to get there. I'm going to knock you out. Like, and when we get there, you're going to ru- run off with the belts that we won't have. Yeah, with yeah. The belts. Well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I thought it was yeah, I thought it was alright. I quite enjoyed it. Again, but like I said earlier on, it's starting to take shape now. What we're used to seeing. Yes. Back to Gregory and Magnum. Gregory had an incredible dye job on his hair, um, presumably asking for the absolute darkest shade available. Uh, they talked, but perhaps it's a wig actually. Now, now actually, you've, you've opened my eyes to that. Yeah. Um, they talked about how Tully and I got the World Tag Team titles from the Rock and Roll Express, and we cut to a video package on this. Uh, Cornette was with the Midnights, and he was calling the Rock and Roll Express cowards, and one of their dads an alcoholic. Um, a friend of the show, Ricky Morton, came out and slapped Jim and challenged the Midnights. Uh, back to Magnum, he said, what Morton had done was justified, but they may have taken their minds off the title defence they had coming up. Um, we then cut to the Rock and Rolls coming out for a match, but they were attacked brutally by the Midnight Express with a chair in the aisleway and appeared a pile driver on Morton. Gibson then decided he would defend the titles by himself, a really dumb move. Uh, we then cut to Gibson by himself versus Arn and Tully. 
Gibson was being beaten down as the crowd chanted for, chanted for rock and roll. Morton eventually made it out there with his arm all strapped up to help for a huge response from the crowd. His comeback was short-lived, however, and he got beaten down by Arn. Robert Gibson then completely bizarrely called the match off as Morton was caught in an arm lock by Tully. Someone try and make sense of that for me. Magnum tried, but Gibson gave up, even though he went out there by himself. I think if I'd been watching this without knowing the result with a tremendous crowd heat and investment, it would have been quite the spectacle. However, it certainly lost something because I knew that knew the title change was coming because they said it was coming. Uh, but yeah, this finish is, and this is resting companies go bad when the creative is bad. And this is what happened. Crockett was out of business. Not all that long out of, after this, it was bought out by Turner because the creative was terrible. We, we did a review in the archives of bunkhouse stampede from not from early 1988 january 1988 which i can categorically say was the worst wrestling show i've ever seen and you can go and listen to us doing that uh, reviewing that but that was that that was the sort of finishes that these guys were pumping out in 1987 absolutely awful uh what did you think of this uh this segment overall yeah i mean <coughs> i've got some similar views i think um ricky and robert starting to remind me of penn and teller okay yeah no Penn and Teller, because, like, in essence, one talks and one don't. Because <laughs> Robert don't say nothing, does <laughs> no. he? Robert was the um, week of the promo, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously you've got the, the two-on-one title defence, which actually we've just seen um, recently in AW. Yeah, what did you um, think of the... Have you seen the whole whole show now? I've seen, like, the bits I want to see. I've skipped through lots and bits and bobs, but I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure when I'm going to release this show because this might be a week or so behind because we're a little bit early um, early recording it this month. But I was so, I, I met we messaged about it, I was so hungover that I was, I really enjoyed, you know, when you wake up and you're like, you, you're alive and you've like, you feel like a little bit euphoria. Yeah. So the first hour or so was that, but then after that, I was kind of falling off a cliff and I knew that I had limited time and I had to get up for it again for a wedding later that day. Actually, yeah. the pre-drinks the night before were much heavier than the wedding. Um, so I was in a bit of a daze. So I've been listening to stuff today and like Dave Meltz was going on about Brian Danielson and Zach Sabre Jr. being like one of the best matches he's ever seen. I just didn't really feel it. I thought the best match was uh, Paige and Strickland. Have you yeah, seen that I mean, one? I, I, yeah, I, I thought they were all, everything was quite decent, like it used to yeah. be. I quite like the main and, event as well, to be fair. Yeah, it's still just a bit, it was a bit more of an exhibition. Yeah, paid for me. Hundred um, percent. And it's just so much. I was going to say, like, start the show as well. There's just so across the two brands. There's so much going on at the moment. It's really, really hard to keep up. Yeah. But then, but then, there's a lot going on. But I don't think there's anything I'm really invested in. This is exactly what we said in a couple of WhatsApp groups. There's not. There's nothing. Osprey's in this weird little period where you know he's leaving New Japan, so he's not. He's not focused. You know he's not going to be challenged for the title at Tokyo Dome. So. I'm not really into that. He'll probably lose that um, UK title to Zach Sabre Jr. in London in a couple of weeks' time because they need to get the belt off of him. WWE, don't care. AEW, the pay-per-views are always going to be good. If you want four hours of good wrestling, AEW pay-per-views. Even though we've been somewhat critical on AEW pay-per-views previously, I think they've the last few shows have been really good. You can't argue that. But the build and the television to get there is not... I don't feel like on a on a Thursday morning I have to watch Dynamite. I just no. it's just gone, isn't it? That is gone, and I, yeah. I don't know what what they do to get that back. And Adam yeah. Copeland is not for me personally is not the answer to get that back. I think it's it's a it's a it's another name with with you know 
with history in WWE, but their their roster's so bloated. Just bloody strap the rocket to Kenny Omega and do. I know they're they're pushing Jay White with MJF now, but you need world title matches on pay per views. The world champion should not be a comedy gimmick, and I know it's entertaining and stuff. But he shouldn't be in the open match in a pay-per-view defending the Ring of Honor tag team titles that shouldn't even exist. Ring of Honor should not exist. They need to get rid of that. There's no money in it. All it's doing is draining Tony Khan from the really important stuff, which is booking AEW, which is people pay to watch. No one, wonder, no one's paying to watch up Ring of Honor. You wonder if um I'm two episodes in, but in Netflix um wrestlers. Oh yeah, I haven't watched it. Is it is it worth watching? Yeah, really good. Yeah. And and that's about Ohio Valley wrestling. Hmm. And you do wonder, you know what Netflix is like, right? That the more people watch it, I like, I've like. i watched two episodes and I'm sort of like, I finished the second one going, I might see if I can find a show. Yeah, yeah. Watch. Because they've got done that Netflix thing. Number one, you sort of feel like you know the wrestlers a little bit behind the yeah. curtain. And, and it's very behind the curtain, my ad. So like, like, I'll give you an example. Like, They'll show you, and I'm sure maybe in the industry it's felt like that people won't like it, but they'll show you two, like, I think there's two of the girls going at each other on the camera, mm. and then it finishes, and they both go, how did that look? Oh, really? That's interesting. I will definitely yeah. watch it, I think, yeah. Really behind the yeah. curtain. And there was, really interestingly, I, was, I made a note here um, about, um, so Al Snow, regardless of what people maybe think of him as a wrestler, he, he obviously knows the business, and it's a very interesting dynamic in regards to he wants to put on a weekly TV show that is really good. Yeah. Blokes that are investing into the company, which come across like a couple of, I don't know, expletives. Yeah. But they're investing their money. So what do they want? They want to sell as many tickets as possible to things. Yeah. And so, for example, in the second episodes, I've, watched, I've only watched two so far – but like they go to a particular venue within, you know, within their within their region. So a bit like a bit like like UWF here. Yeah. Uh, in that town or whatever it is, there is I think it's two universities. So every wrestler that comes out it sort of puts allegiance to the thing. Mm. And Al Snow's like, yeah, but next week we're going to be somewhere completely different. Yeah. So this this is meaningless. So that episode is called Cheap Heat. Right. Okay. Interesting. So it's like this is just cheap. You're just you're just appeasing the people here, but you're not thinking about next week. We've got to go somewhere else, and yeah. I'm going to have to try and get them up for something. It's just very. But then these guys are the ones putting the money in. It's a, it's got a lot of parallels, um, Stephen, with our football club. Oh, interesting. Yeah. If you think about it, yes, as fans, we want oh, we want the best performances on the pitch. Da 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 da. The little boy wants money and daddy wants money. Yeah. So, you know, it's all well and good. Fulham's manager might be going, well, I want I want this player, this player, this player. And them going, you're never going to earn me the money back on this. We're going to, we just want to sell as many tickets as we can. So we'll price Man United at £100 a ticket. That game will be sold out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it is sold know. out. It is sold out. Yeah. yeah. So Fulham fans are going, we're going to protest. Oh, yeah. When? Before and after. Well, what are you doing during? Yeah, I'm going. Oh, so you're still going to? The... Yeah, so, sorry, you, bought the... you still bought the ticket, and then you're yeah. going to protest about the fact that you had to buy the ticket. <laughs> what are you talking about? What yeah. planet are you on? It's it's right? long overdue. I know this is off this is off topic, but it's long overdue that actually at Fulham, either everyone didn't turn or like it seems to get souls didn't turn up, 
or if yeah. there was a mass walkout after 20 minutes, because we're past the point. We're long past the point now of, of, of everything. There's the, the, all the nonsense has gone on at Fulham, which is directly linked to wrestling, because the person that's in He's charge right. of our transfers is in charge of AEW, one of the hardest day-to-day jobs in the world. Anyway, let's... Let's let's anyway. Talk about sorry, that. just going back to go back to the wrestlers, to, and then we'll go back to this. Wrestling, yeah. yeah, wrestlers. So number one, watch number two, but and 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 another reason you definitely like it, Stephen, and I think people that listen to this podcast is it's 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 territory. It's it's the last remaining proper territory wrestling, and it's proper behind the scenes, and you actually see what these people are doing. Yeah, and you know, putting their bodies on the line for peanuts. Yeah, like literally yeah. nothing. Yeah. And it's just, it's really interesting because it's happening now. Yeah. We're watching this here. It's happening right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'd recommend it. Um, but yeah, also, as I said, but little things like that, it's got one or two storylines going through it. Nothing like like now, everything, there's just stuff going all over the place. Yeah. AEW, I don't know where to go, but anyway. You can't keep up. You can't keep up, and I think that's a problem. If it was, and, and I do get understand, I do understand why there's so much. Because if you're, if someone's going to pay you a lot of money to have content, then you're going to provide the content. But it's not like the days when we used to watch, like the first time. And I was a bit bit earlier, but it was. I would see WWF superstars. I might catch Challenge if I was at home, but you might. I think that was generally generally Sunday morning, so I'd be out playing football. So it'd be an hour of superstars a week, and you couldn't wait for the next hour. You couldn't wait, no. and you couldn't wait for the big show. But now it's like so so much content. But we are on a different. You know, different TV landscapes I do get it. It's difficult. Yeah. It's very easy to switch off, and people are, I think, my EW, certainly. Um, I just think on this, uh, yeah, okay, great. He's come back one arm, the crowd's going wild. He's fighting away. I've seen a towel be thrown in before, mm. but not someone come in, save the person, and then give up. Yeah. <laughs> Drag him into the corner and tag yourself in. Exactly. It was pathetic. It is yon. How does this make Awful. Robert Gibson look good? It makes him look like an idiot, doesn't it? That's what it I makes think. Him you're look just... So ridiculous. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Really stupid stuff. Uh, right, Ron Simmons and Tommy Angel was next. Um, a bit of a mix-up at 90 seconds in, which had Simmons shouting something at Angel. Uh, Ron went up to the second rope and got a football tackle and then pinned him in 150. Just nothing here. Dusty then appeared out of nowhere and told Luger it was his turn. He was a three-time world champion. He had no equal and challenged Luger again for Starcade. Ross said, great victory, man. You're ready. You're ready to Simmons. Simmons said it was great being around Dusty. And he plans to bring the same enthusiasm and integrity that he brought to football. Dusty talked about Luger again and then demonstrated the Weaver Lock sleeper. This was completely bizarre. What did you think of the, of the short match and the, and the promos afterwards here? Did Ron Simmons used to play football? I don't think they, they mentioned it, did they? They need to mention it. <laughs> they definitely need I to mean, mention it. It's all they speak. It's all they spoke about. It's actually yeah. quite embarrassing. He's twenty nine. Is he? Yeah. That's what got me. I think this is where I went. God. So hang on a minute. He's now. They've now said they've got Ron Simmons, Sting, and Lex Luger as like the future. Yeah. And I'm looking at him going, they look quite old. <laughs> that's when I looked. So I was like twenty nine. I don't think that's the future. I wish um, I was twenty nine. Yeah. I mean, there is that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Like, yeah, it was a very accomplished win for that bit. Yeah, the Dusty promo. I must admit that Dusty uh, versus Lex Luger does does intrigue you for Starcade. I would say that. Yeah, I think that's a somewhat that's interesting got a little, match. That's got a little bit of a... Okay, that's probably quite a good little... good Because I think I've worked out Dusty's in his 40s. 
Yes, yeah. But I don't, but I don't think that's old in in wrestling terms. Well, if you're more decent. I don't. I think we probably thought it was when. Well, we wouldn't. We would probably have been a tiny bit too young to. You certainly would. Have, were you born in eight? What year were you born? Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. So you wouldn't have been watching. But I remember. I remember. I've said this on the podcast a few times. But I remember when Hulk Hogan came back in '93. I would have been about ten, and I thought Hogan was really old, and Hogan was right. thirty-nine in that run. So his right. last ref run was thirty-nine, and then when he went to WCW, he would have been. So that was 94, it would have been sort of 40, 41. So it's, you're right, it's not old. You now, you now look at people and, I mean, Edge is 50. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, but but I get I guess genetics and understanding of nutrition, all that sort of stuff, you know, is, is perhaps genetics well, haven't yes. changed, but the things you can do have probably changed. Yeah. Um, but that, that match does intrigue me a, a bit. I yeah, say. I agree. Uh, to close the show, Tully Blanchard in a special challenge match against Ron Garvin. Uh, what the special challenge was wasn't revealed. Ross said, thanks to those watching in New York on WPIX. And I've said it again before, that's the primary reason why the show is still existing. It still existed because uh, the NWA couldn't get syndication in New York, but this was packages uwf so they had it for the first time um garvin was 42 here and i can't really get my head around him being given a run with the nwa title at this point um annoyingly there was a weird cut here and the match went straight to the end which was flair attacking garvin um he ran his head into a ring pose and into a table as all the horsemen beat him down until the road warriors made the save um i don't know whether this was bad editing or some poor recording from whoever taped this but the end was terribly disjointed um they showed a replay of it all um i haven't really got much to add on this i just i just thought this was a bit of a mess well, what did you think of the, of the close of this uh this well closing angle on the show well, it was really annoying. So we're like, oh, this is going to be a classic. Mm. It may have been. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm with you. I don't actually know if whoever's recorded it has gone, uh, uh, we've missed it. Yeah. Or whether there might have been, as we'll see from the next show we're going to do, maybe they've cut the adverts out there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was very, very strange. Um, Ross said he'd never seen a more exciting out. I'm not sure I agree with it at all. We're just getting squashes now. Promos. If he's never seen a more sign out, I feel sorry for Mrs. Ross. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. The, the shows just feel really off now and, and they don't feel sort of consequential, I think is the right way, in terms of like there's nothing much going on. And I think what, partly... what irritated me, sorry, just to interrupt. Sorry. Jim Ross at the start was like he lost he'd lost it, how excited he was, and his voice had gone. Yeah, like, I've lost my voice. But what annoyed me and why I was like is he lost his voice? You're like, oh, he's getting really excited, and then, unbelievably, his voice came back <laughs> perfectly to advertise Starcade. Starcade, got it. And push that, and that sums it up to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sums it up to me. It's like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. Oh, 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 oh. tune into Starcade. Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like that's what it was about. Like, not you weren't excited because you've just switched. You've just switched on, like. Yeah, no, I agree. I will, we'll know, talk a little bit more about the, the... It's all set. It's too obviously set up. Yeah. <coughs> we'll talk a little bit more about the um, the build for Starcade in the in the next um, the next next episode we're going to go on to now. But in terms of a standalone and sort of entertaining wrestling show, I just don't think this has got it. I I I, I think this is not. There's there's some there's some for us watching this thirty. Five, 36 years on I think there's some kind of historic value seeing some of these guys but if you take if you take that away and the fun of kind of doing a podcast and picking out some of the ridiculous stuff that goes on this is not a good wrestling show at this point I, I just don't think it is would you agree on that 
it's gone back to this is the first time I watched Ferrara. It's gone back to um, squash, 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 squash because we need yeah. to sell tickets to something. But that's happened before, we said. But previously, when we watched it earlier, you know, in the early years, started off like that because that's how they made money, and we sort of. We sort of accepted it. We sort of said, okay, fair enough. We're I not still think you get one good match, though, or yeah. one longer match, like six or seven minutes. You'd get, and then yeah. it might be a schmoz finish or something, but you don't get that at all on this. Yeah, and then, then we had a spell where actually we were seeing pretty, like, main matches all the time. Yeah. But now it's just literally everything is, like, over in seconds. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Um, I can't really see. There's no wrestling anymore. No, there isn't. I can't see how this this really works. I think there's got to be a mix. So we're moving now. Another couple of week jump. Uh, this time to October the thirty first, nineteen eighty seven, and the show starts with Steve Williams' video package set to "We Are the Champions," which was covered on last month's episode. Uh, but you obviously seen this for the first time. Is there anything you'd like to add on this Queen Classic for Steve Williams? It's very. It's very Joel didn't do this, did he? I think Joel was. Uh... I think Joel was gone by this point, but I'm not 100% it sure. Very, it was very Joel, wasn't it? Mm. It was very, very Joel. Very Joel. Yeah, I'm, I miss Joel's commentary. Those were some some glory days. I, I've got my pandemic oh. track seat back out tonight. It's cold, so it's feeling very like we're podcasting. It's feeling very like October 2020 or something to oh. the, this evening. Um, Magnum and Missy were out of the studio yeah. and in the arena, and Magnum said the sheep herders were the new UWF Tag Team Champions, and he talked about... War Games 4 plus Missy would have an interview with Dusty. Uh, Nikita Koloff would be in action against Eddie Gilbert later on. Uh, and this show was from New Orleans and Jim Ross and Jack Gregory were back ringside. Uh, the Sheep Herders were there. Um, some lovely Union Jack flags with them. Uh, Butch said the first time they had a shot at the World Straps, they were going to win them. Uh, Butch said they were now the UWF World Bloody Wrestling Champions, which popped me. He talks about Starcade, which they didn't perform on. Uh, we got a voiceover from Gregory talking about War Games in Nassau Coliseum. Uh, while two masked men were in the ring awaiting Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, they were up against the Red Devil and the Enforcer. Ross called them party animals as Garvin was in a lovely outfit of sequin silver dungarees and Hayes won with a bulldog in short order. Um, Garvin was accompanied by his real-life wife, Precious. Uh, what did you think of the opener here? A few things. Number one, don't know if you know, going back to Magnum and Missy Hyatt, straight away I was just like... Did you just realise in the last episode, what she said one sentence? Oh, Magnum did. No, in I'll the last it. episode, yeah, she said one sentence that someone <laughs> like she knew somebody. Right, okay. And yeah. in this one, I think she just said, "Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to that person later." <laughs> and that's it again. Um, Great use. And they've flown yeah, her somewhere uh, for that, haven't they? It's ridiculous. I know. Yeah. And um, sheep herders made me laugh. They said they're the new champions. We won't go into hell. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, cheers. What would you mean you won't go into that? How? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. This is the one thing you should 100% go into how. Well, I think maybe um, they're, they're thinking because they probably cheated against the babyface Lightning Express. So I guess that's. No, but no, I, no, I, no, I don't no, disagree no. with you. I think I think it's Ross's job in that to say, well, it was controversial because, you know, yeah. you, you did yeah, this yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I did like well, bloody wrestling champions. <laughs> but it also, they had the Union Jack, but it said New Zealand above it. Yeah, I wonder, did they, did New Zealand have... They're in the New Zealand flag. They've obviously got the Union Jack at the top, haven't they? Well, I... I wonder if the T-shirt was meant to be the flag sort of going round the body. I wonder. Yeah, no, it does. Because they've got a... Um... Yeah, so I... I, very... I, I mean, think... They're from New Zealand, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been... I think the flag might have been a Union Jack in 1987. I'm just looking it up now. I've got oh. lots of various. 
look, trying to get flags of New Zealand open. Um, this is not a great website, if we're honest. But I, I think, I think that's probably right. Uh, crikey, is this good podcast and trying to look up flags of New Zealand? Why is it? Why is this split? Okay, so, so, um. Following the signing of the Treaty of Watangi on 6th of February 1840, the Union Jack replaced the flag of the United Tribes of New Zealand as the official flag of New Zealand um, and continued to be used in regular New Zealand well into the 1950s um, instead of or in tandem with a New Zealand flag. Um, yeah, so I guess it's probably maybe they could. I, t- I tell you what it might have been. They probably couldn't get a. Oh, I think Dan might have. Is Dan? Di- I think Dan's temporarily disappeared. So we'll pause and we'll be back momentarily. You missed out on some really interesting stuff about the New Zealand flag. There, how how much how much of that did you hear? Uh, none. <laughs> okay, so basically, the Union Jack was used from like eighteen something to like the nineteen fifties, but then after that, it was kind of used in tandem. But what I actually reckon it was was that they probably couldn't get their hands on a New Zealand flag in wherever wow. they were, but they could get a Union Jack. So that's probably yeah, that's, that probably answers it. Um, yeah, I, I mean that was on that, and then in regards to the the the, uh, the next match, the Red Devil and Enforcer. Yeah, they when they were just showing the ring while he was doing the War Games like pre preview over the top, they looked like play like if you and you're wrestling in like like playground, or if like you if you had a mate that well, I'm gonna have a wrestling party. Yeah. Um, but I haven't got anything. All right, we'll just find something in your house. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll put on this red mask. Yeah, I'll do this one. What are you going to call yourself? I don't know, Red Devil. <laughs> like, uh, I'll be, yeah, I'll be the enforcer then. That's what they look like, didn't they? It's terrible. Um, it's terrible. brilliant. So, advert break one. This is, the first, is this the first time you've ever been on a show of ads? Uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. Right, advert break one. Some kids doing various things, mainly sports, with the Beatles on the background. And this was, of all things, advert for Nike Air. We then got some kids in Rain Max looking happy. Then a guy with an umbrella decided to be happy as well. Basically, they were all really pleased about M&Ms, which melt in the mouth, not in the hand. Then a lady complains about her muffler in an auto shop. And so does an American footballer. And then obviously a guy with a puppet. And then we get another advert for War Games on Wednesday, the 25th, 1987. The day after my sixth birthday. And what a present this would have been had I been in the area. Uh, Gregory read out the card, but I did not go back to note this down. Then Crazy Eddie with a prosthetic arm doing some ironing. The lowest prices around for home appliances. Uh, What did you think of this fine collection of new to podcast adverts before we move on? Nike. I wonder what happened to them. Yeah, crap. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, M&M's. Do you know what? M&M's, little thing for you. Mm. In America, you can get peanut butter M&M's. Okay, yep. You can't get peanut butter M&M's in England. Oh, why is that? Do we know why? It's something to do with... I don't know. No. But um, my beautiful other half bloody loves peanut butter M&M's. So when we've been going to New York, you want to see... <laughs> if customs could stop you for for confectionery, we would be I'd be <laughs> doing this from prison right now. We have serious peanut butter M and M's come back. I bring back Tostitos cheese dip. Okay, yeah, yeah, because we try and replicate over here and we can't. But anyway, little fact for you though. Don't good know stuff. Why. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, have you got a good quality? I show you what, you just reminded me of something I might have said on the podcast before. So I really, you can get it here now, but you know, like, 
Hershey's cookies and cream, like the white chocolate yeah. with the okay. So you back in the day you couldn't get that. And I was actually it was actually in Canada, so WrestleMania 18. So I came home and I was really I was, me and my then girlfriend were having lots of arguments. Um, probably because I'd gone to WrestleMania twice and the only holiday we'd been on was Bogner, um, yeah. which is bad, bad boyfriending. I remember I went round to I went round to her, I got back on the Friday morning, went round to her parents' house, we had a big argument. I left early, I got back to my mum and dad's. My parents had gone to sleep, so I was in the in the living room with the big TV and put well, it was like the last half an hour of Raw was on on a Friday night for the one I'd been at. Got this Hershey's cookies and cream bar out of my rucksack and had a little cry, <laughs> <laughs> like a music video. Yeah, out the window. I was like, life's so shit. I've just come back. I'm 20 years old. It's over. Just come back from my second WrestleMania. I'm not sure I'll ever go again. Sorry, back to the adverts. I was just asking you about your muffler, but I think, <laughs> I think we'll leave your muffler out of it. Yeah, know. please do. Um, Crazy Eddie, I reckon would have should i mean looking out looking at crazy eddie he should have been in the ring with the red devil and the enforcer he should have crazy been yeah eddie, what are we messing with him he could cut the a promo certainly the other point i want to make is they've advertised war games from november the 25th yeah right starcade on the 26th yes lots of the same card i checked that's a 12 hour flight from New York, From, no, no, New York to Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, it's a twelve-hour flight. It can't. No, it can't be twelve hours. It is to New York, Chicago. It's not. It's not. It's not twelve hours from LA to New York. Chicago. I it, Chicago yeah. to New York to Chicago is probably. It's probably not a twelve-hour drive. Chicago to New York, or maybe I'm. Oh, I mean drive. There you go. <laughs> That's what I meant. Not the same okay, thing. Where's the flights? Oh, two hours. Don't worry about it. There you it. go. Yeah, it's fine. Don't know what they're complaining about. <laughs> but but there, there is a story about that because they were all knackered before Starcade. So what? I mean that that NASA Coliseum war game. Probably done that twelve hour drive. I mean. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Probably well, maybe. I don't know if that any of them drove, but um, yeah, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense the, the way they did that. Um, anything yeah. more on these adverts before we go back into the Starcade control center? Um, no. No. Right, Starcade. I'm looking forward to the next ad break. Yeah, Starcade Control Center with Shivani plus Jim Crockett Jr. and the NWA Tag Team Champions. Tony talked about there being two cage matches on the show, which is totally unnecessary. Uh, we knew about Flair and Garvin, but now Luger is defending his title against Dusty in a cage, and Dusty's career is on the line. Um, Crockett also announced the World Tag Team title about Arn and Tully versus the Road Warriors. Uh, we then cut to Sandy Scott in a room with a lot of wood in the background. Um, JJ Dillon was on the right as we looked and Paul Ellering on the left. Paul said he would be happy to sign the contract, but he wanted to say a few words first. He said it took them a long time to get there. He was happy it was taking place in Starcade and it would make world history, whatever that means. JJ said Starcade is, a, Starcade is a one night of the year when the very best meet the very best. He said he had to admit the Road Warriors were worthy of the challenge and fate had brought it to their hometown of Chicago. Uh, they cut back to Tully and he said whenever Crockett was on screen with them, it was always to do something bad to them. He said they deserve the titles because they won them in the middle, middle of the year? Middle of the ring, I think that's supposed to be. They said they could gourd buster anyone in the world and they can take them down. Arn said his granddad once said, you don't mess with a family or jump a dog in his own backyard. I don't think you should jump a dog on it. I don't think you should jump on a dog anywhere for what it's worth. Anderson said they would prove they were the champions when they took the Warriors down in their own backyard. Um, 
I have got a bit more on the build to Starcade and the problems of the company at the, at the time coming next. But what do you think of these uh, these promos before we get to that? Um, I find it Tony Schiavone saying Chai Town really weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when you hear it now, it's in like people that call it Chai Town is like in rap songs, mm. not men with moustaches. Um, <laughs> I love the the star. I'm I'm absolutely transfixed by the Starcade Control Center. I'm not like this episode. I'm picturing it. They're, they're sleeping there now in my mind. Yeah, I've built this up my own. I've built my own story up. Um, <laughs> I don't even need to go into, but in my mind, they're now they've they've moved on. They've just gone. They've got to the end of the day and gone. Do you know what? Why even bother going? Yeah, yeah. Stay. Most wrestling happens at night. We are missing all the good stuff live. Let's stay here. <laughs> they've got dodgy satellite discs. They all got over the place. 87 fire stick, yeah. They're seeing, they're seeing wrestling everywhere in that control centre. Um, yeah, nice formal contract signing. No throwing of tables. Yep. Or anything like that. Um, and then goes to Tully and Anna in suits and ties. Very, very of the time. I did also hear that when they advertised one of the things, the scaffold match was mentioned. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you were talking about reminiscing. I remember that one very, very well. Yeah. What was that on? Oh, that was on... That was just on that the TV, was wasn't it? Normal Mid-South, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. What a, And what a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, so good to hear it's back. Yeah, it's back. It's back. I mean, to be fair to all of this, I do think they're doing a good job in pushing the key matches for Starcade. Uh, but unfortunately, this was the one that Vince McMahon planned for the first Survivor Series to go up against. And the show ended up not being available on many cable systems. Now, there's a really good article on Bleach Report I found about this, uh, talking about this time with some stuff I found really interesting. And that has been, we've, we've touched on some of this on the show previously, but I, I thought um, this was a good excuse to kind of, uh, you know, go back over this. So excuse the reading for a few moments. So basically, Jim Crockett, great overspent on expanding their network of television stations for syndicated programs and this included buying bill watts's failing universal red of universal wrestling federation for too much money to get the right to pay a lot of money to the tv stations you'd ever were on so but at the time completely unlike it is now wrestling companies would pay local tv stations for their shows to air so i mean you know what ended up happening is when some of these territories went down these stations were just to air infomercials which basically you know in terms of um, the the kind of reach and stuff, they would get more f- for that than the wrestling. So they were much you know cheaper programming. Um, the TBS shows switched to a format of thirty second squash matches paired with kind of ninety second interviews, which we're seeing now. Um, and put and, the, and Crockett was not drawing well on these local TV stations. And top stars were signed to guarantee contracts to keep them from going to WWF. Um, and if their payoffs didn't meet the guarantee, t- talent would get balloon payments at the end of each year. So Crockett was in real financial difficulties. Um, the WWF announced it would be adding a second annual pay per view event to its calendar um, to complement WrestleMania. Survivors, as we talked about, and consisting of in- elimination match matches um to entertain families across the country who'd gathered early in the day for thanksgiving um and they were trying to block starcade you know th- this was predatory practices by um the wf um jim crockett countered by moving starcade to the late afternoon early evening uh, and at first it seemed everyone would win because you'd be able to buy both shows maybe even cable companies would offer a package deal uh, fans would s- see two supercars back to back on a holiday um however uh the wf would lose um basically wf would block this because they said to cable companies, if you if you air Starcade, you won't get WrestleMania four. So unlike now, where in demand and various companies distribute pay per view events 
uh, to remaining large cable companies. Um, in 1987, every single cable company had to be negotiated with individually. Uh, and the income generated by WrestleMania was huge. And they couldn't take the risk um, of losing the opportunity to put on uh, WrestleMania the following year. So all of the, ca the cable companies buckled with only four nationwide in the U.S., carrying Starcade, three in Jim Crockett's home uh, base kind of around the Carolinas and one in San Jose. Um, basically, who, who those in charge refused to go back on their on their word. So in the end, Starcade did 20,000 buys in a greatly reduced pay-per-view universe, while Survivor Series did 350,000. And just 12 months later, Jim Crockett were another 1980s wrestling casualty out of business and sold on the brink of bankruptcy. Um Anyway, that's sorry. That's a bit of a bit long winded. I'm not sure I did a great job covering all that, but uh, that's also a bit depressing. So why not a pick me up? NWA World Champion Ron Garvin versus Gary Young. Garvin won this in 60 seconds with a big right hand, and just for insult to injury, he pinned Young by sitting on his chest, genitals right in his face. Uh, thought on thought thought on thoughts on Garvin versus Young here. Firstly, I really enjoyed that little extract you just done. Thanks. It's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, this they. Is I say, this is why I'm saying you'd like this wrestlers thing as well. Yeah, <clears throat> not so much. You know, the, when I say like you know stuff behind the curtain, I don't mean you know where you. How did they blade or how did they that they're all mates? But the actual like jokes aside, that is that is for WWF to go show if you want, but we won't give you that. Yeah, that is fair play. I'm sorry. I'm, as much as people go, oh, it's horrible. That is why they've got to, like, that is such good business sense. You've got to back yourself. But my gosh, that's so clever. Like, all like, oh, seriously, it's so, it might be horrible, but that's survival of the fittest. That's life. Well, it's interesting that like, about nine years later, Vince was complaining about Ted Turner having so much money and, and all, all of the practices when he'd been the most predatory businessman in wrestling, perhaps ever. So, yeah, it's interesting how things came way. around so quickly. But that's the same way he's clever because then what he by doing that he made people forget that that, that ever happened. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's again, I mean, he's a very manipulative man, as we all know. Um, in regards to this, I knew he was going to win with a punch because just before he said that he's known as the man with hands of stone. Yeah. And within about ten seconds, he punched someone and they went down. And I was like, <laughs> hey, okay, clever. There we clever. go. Fix yeah, we could tell. Yeah, all right, Jim. We know you write it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, it was a uh, yeah another squash as we as we come to believe. Um, yeah, nothing really more than that. I would say. Uh, we then got someone welding and hitting something, causing some sparks. Then some crowd shots and a bell ringing. It became clear that this was actually a wrestling steel cage being built and not any cage. It was the War Games cage. I thought this advert was was really, really good. What do you think of this little uh, oh, I'm so glad you said War that. Games, I, thought you were yeah. about to say, I thought you were about to say no. No, no, I, I like this like, a lot. I saw it was a War Games promo when I gathered it. I was like, oh, gosh, going on about it. But then I was like, <laughs> oh, it's quite scary, this. Uh, yeah, I liked it. It was really good. Really, really good. Um, but this, but that wasn't the pay per view. That was the house show. So it's, it is weird. But then yeah. this is in this is in New York. So the way the way you've got to look at this is this is if you're in New York, this is what you're seeing. If you're in San Jose, you're not seeing the war game stuff. So that's the right, way you okay. kind of got 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 to view it. Right, okay. Um, Garvin with Ross said he was a positive thinker. He said he was the biggest part of Starcade 1987, and he said they could do a lot of talking, but talking was cheap, and it was time for them to get it on. He mentioned the fight of the century, which was Joe Frazier versus Muhammad Ali from 19, 1971, and that him and Flair would ha would be even better. 
this did very little for me, and I can't say I've been that impressed with Garvin's promos. What did you think of uh, the NWA World Champion here? I had nothing on it. That's how there was just nothing on. There was nothing. Just no. Nothing. No, uh, we got the Pepto Bismol advert again, where the guy was basically couldn't go out because he was shitting himself. But then he took this tablet and he was okay. Then the Sega Master System with twice as much memory, scrolling backgrounds, graphics in sixty-four colors, digital sounds, and you could add to the excitement with sports pads and games in three D in nineteen eighty-seven. This was incredible. What do you think oh, of this no, advert? I've written, I've written the word incredible. Yeah. What was the first what do you think? What was the first console you had as well? Amstrad. Amstrad, wow. Niche. Where you put the tape where you put the tape in. Mm. Oh, that's a computer though, I'd say. Was that a console? Oh, console with my yeah, console, yeah, yeah, yeah. PlayStation. Uh, what was it? PlayStation One. So you're so so young, aren't you? PlayStation One. Mine was a Mega Drive. So I think I didn't do the Nintendo oh, no, System round one. I was around for Mega Drive. Yeah. But I just, I, I was still, I was playing with my Amstrad, mate. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I wasn't into Mega Drives. Um, yeah. And yeah, I stayed loyal to. I suppose that was Sensible Soccer on that, would it have been? No. Uh, was that later? Sense. No, no, on the Amstrad. Oh, yeah. 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 And um, the one I used to play was Freddy Star Ate My Hamster. Was I don't remember that at all. <laughs> that was a game. Yeah, you were yeah. like an agent for celebrities. <laughs> what? I will. I will find if I find anything to do with it. I will uh, tweet it. Yeah, please do. Please Incredible. do. Uh, anything else to add on this uh, master system before we uh, we move on? Um, so I, I haven't seen the Pepto Bismol before. No, no. If yeah. I was fair play because he was in there dying. <laughs> Yeah, and then she is she is ready to jump on him when he comes out. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd get the same treatment. Uh, yeah, Sega <laughs> Mega. It was so good. Like even when they said it, I'm still thinking I couldn't name 64 colors. No, it still sounds incredible <laughs> to me. No, nor can I. Nor can I. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then obviously we were back onto the. They've got real issues with mufflers over there, aren't they? Yeah, lots of mufflers, and and this time was a cheerleader and a very intense couple amongst others. But we, yeah, we just we just we've just um, we've just bought a new car to, literally about five minutes before we came on air, as my previous car was stolen. Yes, yeah, not and, not um, good, not good. But I'm now really panicked because the one thing I didn't check, I didn't ask, was what's the muffler like. <laughs> Well, you know, where to, you don't know where to go. Probably out of business, thirty-six years. And now ago. I'm yeah. now I'm struggling. So when they drop that car off, if in doubt, I'm going to ring Mini K and say, "Oi, I've took a photo. Have a look at my muffler. <laughs> Have a look at my muffler." All right, back to the action. They showed someone called Mighty Wilbur, which may or may not be the uh, name Dan's used on Zoom this evening. Um, on the screen, and Ross interviewed Paul Jones about him. He said he was going to be the biggest thing in wrestling, albeit they alluded to some communication problems. Uh, Wilbur was shown beating someone with a splash, and then Wilbur encouraged him to beat down his opponent with stomps, but he wouldn't do it. Jones told him to never shake hands with kids, and Wilbur called him a pudding head. Back to Ross with Jones. He was upset about the pudding head comment, clearly, and said to Wilbur, um, he had to listen to him. Ross showed him in another bit of tape, and that had Jones getting in Wilbur's face before Wilbur hit him with a strike of some description and then splashed him. Jones called him a big goof and that he'd gone too fast. So what was going on here? Wilbur turned babyface, seemingly, but at the start, Jones was putting him over. Bizarre. I couldn't find out very much about Wilbur online at all. 
aside from this guy, didn't seem to be with us anymore. What do you think of the mighty Wilbur here and this very confusing segment? Yeah, he was putting him over and then he changed it in the same... It's like, you know, when like... You're talking, like you're talking to someone, and they and they like change their opinion in the same conversation yeah. <laughs> with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, a pudding head is a person lacking intelligence. Okay, good, good. Yeah, good definitions um, on the insults of the of the day. Yeah, um, but yeah, I didn't really understand. I was like, sorry, do you like him or not? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think he does now. He's changed his mind. No. Changed I looked at Mighty Wilbur, and I looked at Mighty Wilbur as well on Cage Match, and um, where Paul Jones said, "Oh, he's going to be." Be, be like the future and never lose. He had a forty percent win ratio. Oh, that's not great. That's not great. So I don't think he turned out as they liked. Seventy percent win ratio in nineteen eighty-seven, though. I didn't know that had uh, win ratios on there. I, I never, I've never looked at that. I will now look at that. Yeah, yeah. You Good. learn something new every day. Uh, Davy Haskins and Terry Jones versus Ivan Koloff, and the Warlord was up next, or the Warlord, as has been called on this podcast before. A complete squash that ended with Terry Jones nearly being killed off a fall from a move that wasn't completely dissimilar to a Doomsday device ish, and ended up with him landing right on the top of his head. Uh, what did you think of our latest squash in a long line of squashes? If you didn't know any different, you'd have thought that the Warlord was quite good. Yeah. Luckily for me, I do know different. And yeah. I just, <laughs> I, I actually viewed that match as a blip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, nothing else to say. No. But I did like the finisher, but obviously I've just it's it's some it's not theirs. No, no, no. Uh Lee sculptured nails, then a hostess pie. A hostess, what a sweet sensation. Then hostess choco bliss with a sweet, moist chocolatey sensation. <laughs> it was very sexual, weren't it? Yeah, it really it was. was. Very, yeah. They were two very, very sexual adverts. <laughs> you had you had you had first of all you had like nails ultimately nails you can put on stick on yourself yeah which now like my daughters get in like magazines for free yeah yeah, yeah. Like, okay like kids magazines i'm talking not like you know they're kids yeah um but obviously this was revolutionary <laughs> and then you just had have these cherries or, if, or some chocolate and ultimately if you eat them you're you're getting some yeah that's how i read <laughs> yeah basically uh, i don't think chocolate i'll tell you the absolute combo from these adverts. If I if I was like, oh, I really want to, I really want a girlfriend. What should I do? <laughs> if I was sitting in the bathroom, right. So what I should do is take the chocolate. Like I could do the bit the bit of cherries that'll get her going. Bit of chocolate. Go. Oh, that's not gone down well. Shit myself. Have a peptidol. <laughs> and happy day. She's going. Oh, and we're going oh. again. We're, We're going, going again. again. This is the thing yeah. I think you might be might be good for the romance romantic stakes if you bought someone some chocolate, but eating chocolate just make, it would make you feel just a bit rough, wouldn't you? You're not really in the mood for an amorous liaison, shall we say? Um, at, at ringside with Jim Ross, Sting, and Barry. At, at crikey, I'll start that again. At ringside, I'm feeling very jaded after quite a. It's only Wednesday today, and I'm feeling very tired after some external activities over the last few days. Um, at ringside with Jim Ross, Sting and Barry Windham, Ross said, he'd knew, Ross said he knew he'd worked his whole career for the match against Williams. Uh, Windham said he continued to be the number one contender, stumble. He had to keep defending his Western State Heritage title and that people were practically trying to decapitate him while Williams had an easier schedule. Now, they went to Sting who screamed, there are a lot of good things happening to me. I'm getting hot. Don't stand too close to me. Ross, you might melt. He said Gilbert and co would feel his wrath. And I wondered if he'd been on the Tony Khan energy drinks here. What do you think of the promos? Uh, these top class promos. 
I don't remember him speaking like like one of the crankies. <laughs> that was I've written in my notes screams, but that was yeah. about as well, good as it, mine. Well, the Americans probably like equivalent like Pee Wee Herman over there. Yeah, I'm sorry, my voice yeah. is failing me this evening. So, like Jim Ross from last week's episode, I can feel yeah general rundownness. So, my yeah. Anyway, back over to you. Um, yeah, I mean, at least Barry Windham like cared. He cared more this week, didn't he? Certainly. Yeah. But yeah, not much else to say. No. Right. Nikita Koloff versus Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert in what was described as the main event of the evening. Uh, we got a voiceover pushing the war games again during this match. Um, Eddie was wearing a very fetching hot pink pair of tights, which I enjoyed a lot. Ross talked about Gilbert saying we about him and Taylor being champions. And Ross said it sounds like a song. And Gregory added, it is a song. In a moment that was funnier than it sounds, me reading it out now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I forgot, I completely forgot to written that. Of course, this went through an advert break in two minutes and 45 seconds, and it was Ross, Ross, Ross pushing tickets for the next War Games uh, show, obviously we talked about was going to take place the night before Starcade, a 12-hour flight from Starcade to uh, the um, War Games show. Again, as we talked about in last month's episode, these shows were clearly taped from the, or clearly taped for the New York area, Ross confirmed as such later in the piece by mentioning WPIX again. Um, Koloff utilised the tremendously exciting side headlock in this, almost the point of sleep when we went to break again. Once more, an advert pushing war games with a full card. And again, I don't didn't take notice of it. Google it if you want to know, because we're you're not going to find out here. Um, there was a double close on spot, and Ross said both men had the same idea, and they uncorked on one another which appealed to my 13-year-old sense of humour. Um, Gilbert missed an attempt at a shot with brass knucks by about half a light year before Taylor got in there for the DQ in just over eight minutes. Um, Taylor threw the referee out of the ring and then beat down on Koloff until Dusty Rose made the save. Koloff picked up both TV titles and then threw Taylor's back down on him. Post-match, Missy interviewed Dusty and he talked about Luger. And then Koloff shouted about Taylor and Starcade and said the UWF title was going to belong to him. Uh, what did you think of this match and the interviews here? So it's the main event and we're only half an hour in. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. What's the weird? Then they just seem to walk around for a while. Yep. Um, then we went to the War Games. My actual first War Games was AEW doing it. Yeah, Blood and Guts, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't like that. I'm not a massive fan of, of that format either, really. I can't yeah. really see I'd like this. Um, I was more interested in another advert for a muffler, then a few more holds, then another War Games, and then Crazy Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> then you said it was brass knuckles, that foreign object. It didn't look like it. It looked like just a bit of Velcro. Oh, it, it was. they were using that like plastic... It wasn't brass. It was like that plastic knuckle thing, wasn't it? Like a plastic knuckle dust they, they seem to have around in the oh, 80s. Okay. But what I noticed at the end, which is really interesting, is when we first started doing this, and we used to talk a lot about how they would um, try and link everything to like what's going on in the in political climate. Yeah. Um, which is why you had Russians. Mm. Well, he, he's, he was the hero in this piece. And at the end... The American dream come in and helped him. Yeah, so Koloff, Koloff was feuding with Magnum in 86. And when Magnum got hurt uh, in that car accident, they turned Koloff babyface because Koloff went to... I can't remember the exact yeah. thing, but went to visit him and that's how he turned him babyface. Yeah, I, so that, baby I face. saw that on Dark Side of the Ring, actually. Yeah, which is a very good episode, yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. come 
full. So now you've got a Russian and the American. You just like literally two years previously. Yep. That was automatic heat, no matter yeah, yeah, what it time. Did. It's an interesting um, way to try and try. And, it's interesting, actually, and fair play, I suppose, of actually giving this a go because it is something mm. a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, that's what, that's, you know, uh, it's just a shame because you've got two good people. It's the main event. It was just in, it was just cut like this constant cut to shreds. Cut to shreds. Yeah. Uh, we got hostess sweet sensation again. Then Milton Pitts, a barber in Washington DC, who's a bloody great barber because he uses Bix. Then some politician called George said, "If only his campaigns were smooth as his shave." And then because we hadn't seen enough of it as of up to this point, a War Games advert. Uh, what did you think of uh, of this little selection here? He has clearly never shaved anyone with a beard. <laughs> you can't you can't wet shave a beard because but anyone with any hair on their face that uses the bick they were advertising yeah. disposable bick right unless you I put it this way the, I'll tell you why the, they're, they're advertising out in the wrestling because that must be what they use to blade themselves now yeah probably accidentally because you try and shave with one of them bicks if you can come away Without little bits of tissue stuck all over your face to stop your face bleeding, I recently shaved my beard off to just get a bit of regrowth. Oh. I try and do like once every other year, and as you can probably tell, it needs cutting, but it's come back pretty strong. Yeah, um, you can't tell on the thing, but it's quite big at the moment. And I just sort of finished it with a big Jesus. <laughs> I may as well have used a machete. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't trust. So maybe I wonder if like that that's one of the reasons why that guy's politics career didn't flourish. He bled um, to death in, in Milton's barbershop. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think to myself, would I rather use a bit or watch war games? And at this stage, I, I can't. I'm sick of war games. Yeah, God. And you're going to get more of this. So back on the show, we had US champion Lex Luger versus Dale Laparus. Is that how you pronounce it? I can't remember. Um, Dale, yeah, well, it's, it said like Laparus, yeah, but they, they pronounced it French. La- okay, okay. I, I thought no, that was a French accent French. from me. Laparus. Um, yeah. Dale had white pants over blue tights and white boots and didn't look like he had much of a chance because of the total, total package. Lovely tash, though. Uh, predictably, Dale was finished inside a minute. The action, and I use that term loosely on these shows, is so bad now. Um, just because we hadn't seen it enough, another War Games advert. Just imagine how grating this must have been to watch at the time. Anything to add on Lex Luger versus France's favourite wrestler, Dale Laparouse? I'll just put old Dale. Honestly, I think Lex Luger would have been better off fighting an inflatable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that Kenny Omega clip. That lot. Yeah, yeah. Kosovo had one as well, that, didn't it? Yeah. That inflatable was better than Dale. Big time. Uh, back from the break, Luger was with JJ Dillon and Flair was out there as well. Dillon said they all had Starcade fever. Hopefully they can get something um, prescribed for that. He talked about all the Four Horsemen fans in New York and how the dream team of Luger and Flair would destroy the Road Warriors. Um, yeah, again, this bit must have been really weird for those watching other parts of the country because this would have been on the show, I think, everywhere. And they had absolutely no way of watching the Nassau Coliseum show, but obviously some of them could watch Starcade. Just felt very messy. And um, Flair cut a short promo talking about the pretty ladies and long limousines in New York and ended by saying Garvin had to prove to the fans and the wrestlers and most of all Space Mountain. Um, I thought Space Mountain was Flair's knob. So why does Garvin have to prove anything to that? Uh, what did you make of all this? I don't, think, I don't think I was thinking anything about Flair's knob when he. But Space Mountain is Flair's penis, isn't it? Oh, is it? 
Yeah. It's also a ride at Disneyland. No, no, I know. That's the more savoury version. But that's that's what he talks about, oh. taking a ride on Space Mountain. He's talking about his not. Oh. I just put that, yet again, the Four Horsemen come. So just a little sudden Four Horsemen, again, a bit like War Games. I didn't know of the Four Horsemen. I hate, hmm. I'm ashamed to say, but I didn't know them. They were WCW to me. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know who these people were. But the more I see, I'm like, God, that is some faction, isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, some yeah. Quality in there. But yeah, again, Ric Flair. And then now we later look at it, and I know people are like, oh, you get away with it back then. Like, why, why, why bring up about women? Why well, is it so that's weird? his gimmick, isn't it? Yeah, I know, why I know. Is it so weird. Yeah, like it's cringeworthy. Mate, he used to um, say on TV. He used to, tell, he used to say on on like on t- well, not live, but TBS. He would say where he was, where they were staying. He'd give the hotel details out. Yeah, he's, he's just a bit creepy. Yeah, no, not for me. Um, um, anything more to add before we get on to our last advert break? No, I want to get on to this last advert break. Right, advert for the film Less Than Zero, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Andrew McCarthy, with a description of as follows. Clay, Andrew McCarthy, comes home to Los Angeles after his first semester of college and encounters some disturbing developments. His former lover, burgeoning model Blair, played by Jamie Gertz, has begun to abuse cocaine, but her addiction pales in comparison to the drug dependency of her new boyfriend, Julian, played by Robert Downey Jr., who's also Clay's childhood buddy. Clay's tri- Clay tries to help them get sober, but the process is complicated by Rip, James Spader, a callous dealer Julian is indebted to. And this sounds like a right laugh a minute and has an audience score of 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we also got the Alka-Seltzer ad we've seen before. And then from Vestron Pictures, the film Steel Dawn, with Patrick Swayze, and then, probably best of all, an off-road rugged radio control kid's buggy. But there was an annoying kid in this, moaning to his dad about different car makes, and if he were my son, I wouldn't be buying him any present until he acted like less of a boring git. Uh, what did you think of these adverts? Less, so, less than, less than zero, have you seen it? No. Have you seen it? No. 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 <laughs> but budget for the film, $8 million. Box office, 12.4. Wow, okay. Decent hit, yep. Good hit. Yeah. Mum's Mum's Magic Meatloaf, have you had it? No. <laughs> no. Uh, they could have done with a pep... What's, what would you, I'm thinking Pepsi Abysmal. That stops you pooing, whereas Alka-Seltzer gets it out, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Alka-Seltzer's, yeah. yeah. Alka-Seltzer didn't come across as sexual when you, when you used it, did it? No. <laughs> you know, you weren't getting any, la- any action from the ladies from Alka-Seltzer. No, what that's taught me is you're better off let let it out rather than keep it in. Yeah, yeah, big time. Big time. Um, Still Dawn, have you seen it? No. Have you seen it? No. Budget, three and a half million. Okay. Box office, 562,000. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oops. Um, remote control car. Did you have one? I do you know what I probably have one at one point, but I this I always want the two things I always wanted that I never got were that and a scale electric as well. That my parents were like, they're crap. You're not having one. So I, so I did I did well on really. So yeah. I always wanted a remote control. So I yeah. wasn't into cars. Yeah, me either. Yeah, my boy, all he does at the moment, car, car, yeah. car. Yeah. I asked my mum and dad. They're like, you never, you were never interested in cars. Yeah. 
But when I'd be down the park, I'd see someone with like a really cool remote control car, but like, oh, I want one of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you go to like um, uh, theme parks and you'd have that little thing where you could hold the like, even the boats. I'd yes. Like, I'd have a go. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Scale Electrics, I always wanted as well. Yeah. But I ended up buying that from myself when I was like, oh, yeah. not older, but it's not got the same vibe, has it? No, no, no. no. Older. I know people are like, oh, relive your youth. Not really, because I didn't do it in my youth. So I, I think they're quite, cra- they're quite crap, aren't they? It. Aren't they quite yeah, crap? Yeah. I, I once, like, I had one, like, I think my grandparents bought one, but their house, because um, of the, when the war, uh, the road was hit, uh, every room slopes. Oh, so when right, you were okay. coming down the home straight, you come off the track. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> no. When you were done that, like, that final home straight, you're like, here we go. That's the beginning. Here we go. The slowest. <laughs> um, so that ruined it for me. This kid in this advert got bought an actual car. I actually quite like that bit. I like the I like the twist. He got bought an actual car at the end, and he went, "No, I want a remote control." Yeah, car. I get, I guess, but he's such a moaning twat, yeah, wasn't he? he really was. I'm always, always a bit too old. Yeah, I know what you mean. As well, like, yeah. I was a bit like grow up. That's like my dad used to say to me, "Why are you still playing with your wrestling figures?" I was like, "I'm doing strategy with them. I'm like, booking the promotion." <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm 13. Yeah. I'm still playing with my wrestling figures. Uh, right, Ron Simmons and Shane Douglas. Wow. The jive tones about nine seconds to go. Douglas had an immense short blonde mullet, and of course, this randomly cut to a promotional consideration paid for bit, and then ended without a finish. Just what is going on? This show was an hour all in with the adverts, and while they had some charm. This is not a fun show to sit through right now. And I think this is the vibe of this until the end, I'm afraid. The days of the episodic television are long gone. And what remains is a bit of a mess. So, Dan, final thoughts on these two weeks of the UWF? Well, for that last match, if they had done maybe just two less War Games commercials, yeah. they might have finished it. Um, you, like, I started off thinking... I don't know. I was a bit like, okay, they're doing their thing. Let me give this a go. We're at this new news studio. We've got the Starcade Control Center. There's things here that the format isn't what I really like. It's a bit like the squash matches, but there's things to watch. By the time we got to the end, like second one, I was like, oh, this is yeah. Such yeah. A... When they said the main event was like after half an hour, I thought, right. So what's going to happen here? And that last half an hour. The advertisements were, and I know people like, you know, particularly in America and in England will always say when you go to America, the standard here, if those in America don't realize, but I'm sure you do, the joke over here is in America, it's always adverts. That yeah. is the common joke. But, but I found that in this, they had ad breaks when they roughly should have been. They were creating their own ads. Yeah, 100%. they were adding their own bits. So this was more than necessary. This was more than what the TV company were asking them to do. They were putting them ad-ins themselves. Yep. There's more War Games ads than ads for mufflers. And yeah. that's saying something. The War Games was relentless. This is just, I don't understand. This is the thing. I do get it. This is a different time. It's not about TV ratings, trying everything. It's not like trying to book a dynamite. But I can't see anyone thinking this was really entertaining. Like, if you went back and watched an episode of WF Superstars from around this time, you'd occasionally get na- name versus name because they would do like a tag team title match. They'd, they'd change the titles. There'd be a big angle. I think you'd get more stuff on those and it was a smoother show. So you get big entrance, big arena, well lit and all that stuff. you get little squash, get some stars out. There'd be a significant promo. Something would be happy. you get like an interview segment or something. And I just think those shows were better. But actually, 
mid south the, the the core mid south shows were were night and day with this in terms of the you know the presentation of what that what that, yeah, what yeah, that was yeah, they really were yeah don't go back and watch your superstars. Go back and watch your mid south. Well, this is what I said to the guys that, that did the sh- did the show last month. It's like don't don't go don't watch the next episode of this because you get more of the same. If you want to go and watch a cl- you know what this promotion really was, go and watch the, the Ted DiBiase Ric Flair show or the Best Dressed Man contest or something like that because this is this you know this is this is kind of it. So that is it, Dan. Thank you very much. That is episode one hundred and ninety eight of this podcast <laughs> in the bag. So that that will um I think we've got Terry and Phil on next month for what will be the penultimate episode of UWF the final year, UWF the final year, episode eleven. But I think you might be hearing Mr. Uh, Mr. McNeil is now actually his voice yeah. before we're before we're out of it too long. Stay tuned to our social media for some special stuff that we've got planned on the countdown to the end of the regular Pro Wrestling Moments podcast. It's coming soon. Any final words, Dan, before we get on out of here? No, not for, not not right now. Just everyone keep keep listening, keep enjoying, even though we are sitting here slagging it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got two two more months of us being being really sad about this to go. Right. Thank you all for listening. We should speak to you all again very, very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid south moments.